Welcome to the Autism and Neurodiversity Podcast. We're here to bring you helpful information from leading experts and give you effective tools and support. I'm Jason Grigla, a licensed counselor and founder of Techie for Life, a specialized mentoring program for neurodiverse young adults. And I'm Debbie Grigla, a certified life coach. And maybe most importantly, we're also parents to our own atypical young adults. Friends, hello, welcome. I am so glad you're here. I am really excited about what I'm going to talk about to you today. I'm pretty fired up about it. And I'm just, I talk about it a lot, but I'm really wanting to go deeper on this episode about this. And it's because it's so foundational to the work that we try to do as parents and mentors and teachers and, and all the things. And I see so many of you getting stuck and struggling in this area. And so, I'm excited for you to be here and to hopefully grasp this on a whole new, deeper level. I believe that the goal of parenting, of mentoring, of any kind of role where you are teaching, guiding, supporting, I believe that that, that the goal of that is to support and nurture these young people that we've, that we're engaging with in their development of who they are and who they want to be in the world. I mean, that's ultimately the goal. All the parenting, the mentoring, the different philosophies, approaches, um, behavior modification tactics, you know, rewarding and punishing, consequences, boundaries, expectations, all that stuff, all the different ways people go about that. I think the thing that that is foundational and probably at the heart of why you might even be having success with any of the different approaches out there. The thing that's foundational in development, and studies show this, I mean, over and over studies show like that this one thing, this one thing from a person can make all the difference for a young person in their growth and development. And that thing is connection. Connection where we engage in really seeing, hearing, knowing, and valuing this young person that we're working with, with curiosity and compassion for who they are, for where they're at developmentally, and who they want to be. And the cool thing is, is that with connection, when you really think about it, it only takes one person. You're like, wait, what? Isn't connection between two people? And I want to say, it only takes one person to create connection. Our young person doesn't have to connect back for connection to be useful. Although, you know, bonus when they do feel it and they engage back and forth, that's feels amazing and it's so productive. But they don't have to actually reciprocate. It can just be one person that offers that connection. And connection. And this is why, because connection is about attachment, right? So it's about belonging. You belong to me. Vulnerability, realness, authenticity, meaning all of it, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly. Connection's about entunement, being in tuned to someone, observing them. And I'm not talking about like unhealthy connection when I say connection here. I'm talking about like safe, healthy connection. So safety in that connection where I'm safe to connect with, right? And I'm offering safety. Um, 
love, the, the kind of love that's kind and compassionate and serving. Connection is the foundation for any kind of effective collaboration for our child, our teen, our young adults, person, like for their benefit. It's a foundational ingredient for effective teaching to take place. You need connection to truly teach, to mentor, to coach, to influence. It's a foundational ingredient for supporting, accommodating, guiding. And if you struggle to connect, or you would like to connect more deeply, I have some really valuable things to share with you here to help you. Now, when you think about a neurodivergent young person, they think differently than the than typical people do, typical brained people. A lot of them have, like they process things differently, maybe at different speeds, higher speeds on certain things, lower speeds on others. They may communicate differently or have different communication needs. They may have executive functioning challenges. So things like organizationally or working memory. If you don't know what that is, you can go Google it. They may have sensory processing issues. They process the sense of the, the sensory input of their environment differently or at different sensitivities. They may miss social cues or nuance. They may be overly sensitive or they may come across as insensitive. They might have be rigid or a black and white thinker. They may not connect real well. Like they may not connect cause and effect very well, especially if there's any kind of distance of time between the cause and the effect. They may learn differently or develop in a disordered way or a different way than typical brained people do. And they may have multiple diagnoses or traits. Like, you know, it's very common to have ADHD and autism or autism and OCD or ADHD and OCD or, you know, there's, I mean, there's tons of possibilities there are, are numerous. And they also, most of our neurodivergent young people are dealing with secondary and tertiary issues to their neurodivergence. So the secondary issues that Jason's talked about before of things like being a neurodivergent person in a society that's created and sort of geared toward neurotypical people. So when you are in that environment being neurodivergent, you're more likely to get bullied or left out or not fit in or be abused or neglected or looked at as weird, right? You're neurodivergent in a world that expects expects neurotypical behavior and neurotypical approaches. Um, you're in a world that's not designed for the sensory challenges that you have as a neurodivergent, right? So these secondary issues, not, not receiving appropriate and effective teaching or accommodations in the classroom, maybe it's or in the work environment, just this, the sheer judgment of being different and, and the mistreatment that so often happens. Those are There's a lot of secondary issues that come from being neurodivergent that our, our neurodivergent young people are dealing with. And then because they have to deal with all that stuff as a neurodivergent, then there's these tertiary issues that come up. So you've got the neurodivergent brain with what that is, right? Trying to deal with what comes about of being in a world that's not set up real well for them. And then these tertiary issues pop up of that are super common in our, our neurodivergent population of anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, low self-esteem, eating disorders or body image challenges, 
getting stuck, overwhelmed, burned out. And so when you're parenting or raising or mentoring a neurodivergent young person, and you are neurotypical, or maybe you yourself are neurodivergent, so maybe you have some more insight or maybe or maybe not because each neurodivergent young person is unique. Every person's unique and each neurodivergent person is unique, right? So connecting on deeper or even shallow levels can be uniquely challenging. So given all that, there's some basic things that get in the way of connecting and there's some basic things that can open up connection despite all of those challenges that I just listed. So one of the biggest things that I see getting in the way of connection over and over and over again is judgment. And so I want to talk about judgment versus assessment. So I think assessment is very useful and it can actually help us connect. It's approaching with curiosity, observing, observation, right? Looking for patterns, looking for causes, considering different angles, different possibilities. It's attempting to understand. Judgment, on the other hand, is is often taking information and a lot of times just from like sort of the surface or it can be super deep-seated stories and beliefs that we have. But judgment takes information and it makes it mean negative things about the young person. So if assessment is, I observe you to be struggling with a problem, judgment is, I see you or what you do as a person as a problem. Okay, I have a problem with you or with your behavior. I am not okay with you or I'm not okay with your behavior. And that's different than condoning it. It's just literally, I have a problem with you and I judge you. I judge you and I judge your behavior and you you shouldn't be how you are. That's judgment. And I want to think about how you feel when you think about someone judging you. I know I get defensive. I feel shame. You know, and this is depending on the person, obviously. But when it's especially when it's someone I care about and I feel like they're judged and I, I think about the, the idea of them judging me, I feel defensive, I feel shame, hurt, rejected. I can feel abused, neglected, devalued. Is how that's often how we respond to judgment, right? Judgment creates walls, misunderstandings. It's focusing on all the negatives, right? It's it's putting that person that we're judging below us. Like, I'm better than you and I judge you. You shouldn't be the way you are. I know better. This is how you should be. So if you struggle to connect with your child, your teen, your young adult, I encourage you to take a good, hard look at the ways that you might be judging them. And consider that your judgment, it's likely keeping you from from deeper connection. If you have a problem with who your child, teen, or young adult is, or you have a problem with how they behave and think they should be or behave differently, you're creating walls that will block you from connection because you're focused on who they should or shouldn't be instead of focusing on who they are right in front of you in this moment. What are you making your child, your teen, your young adult's behavior mean? 
how are you judging and not loving and connecting to all of who your young person is? The second thing, so we've talked about judgment, and that's what keeps often keeps us from, from really connecting. The thing that helps us actually to connect when we can drop that judgment is to be truly present. When we're stuck in the past or we're fearing all these possible future scenarios, we, we miss what's right in front of us, right? Actually seeing them, hearing them, valuing them here and now and meeting them with curiosity and compassion. Who are you today? What do I love about you today? What are your struggles today? And when I say curiosity, I don't, I don't want you to just, that doesn't mean like pepper them with lots of questions and, and sort of inter- interrogate them. It, it looks like, and I'm meaning it to be like, like I just show up with curiosity. I want to, I want to understand. I want to observe. I want to listen. I want to be aware. Okay. It's too easy to get caught up in the past and what's happened in the past. It's too easy to get caught up in future drama and miss what's right in front of you right now. With a neurodivergent young person, it's very helpful to observe with a lens of how are they developmentally? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What skills have they developed? What skills are underdeveloped? And that helps us stay in a place of assessment and out of judgment. There's no, they're behind. They're just where they're at right now. For them, they're where they're at. This is where they're supposed to be. And we stop comparing and we stop worrying about everybody else. And we look at where are they at right now? What are they struggling with? What what are they succeeding and doing well in? Like just seeing all of them and assessing that. Being present looks like, tell me more. That's really interesting. It looks like, hey, how are you? It looks like, I sure love you. I'm so glad you're mine. I love and I, I do this with every one of my kiddos. I love to communicate that to them. Just to, to hold that space and just be like, you know what? I am so glad you're my daughter. I am so glad you're my son. I'm so glad I get to be your mom. It is so important for me to communicate that. Aside from the value I think that they get from hearing that, I it's so valuable to me to communicate that as a mom because it puts me in that space of like really being present with them and kind of taking them in and appreciating them and appreciating the experience of being in a relationship with them. And then to be present in both, like be present in light, fun, joking stuff, because, you know, we do deal with heavy stuff a lot of the time. And so to be able to be present and just be able to joke, be able to banter. It's one of the things that I love about, Jason, what he does at our school with our mentors and our students, they they do a lot of bantering, lots of joking around, lots of, you know, like safe teasing and which is so valuable and important when you have had really awful teasing and and maybe been bullied, but like to be able to joke and connect and be light and fun and, and have that. And then also be willing to go deep, to go deep and dig in and like be there in the struggle and the hurt and the, the shame and the, you know, be willing to go light and deep, you know, heavy and surface to be present, 
to be in it, in the happy and the sad, right? In the wins and the fails. And then the third thing that I think can be so valuable in being able to connect is practicing having unconditional, just positive regard. I think it's a parenting and mentoring superpower to practice and develop, to be able to just hold space and have unconditional positive regard for the people that are around us. And that means to like truly see and assess people where they're at without the judgment, but with compassion and curiosity and see them not only for for who they are, but also who do they want to be and believe in them and believe in their highest desires and hopes and dreams. See the good in them, right? To be able to like hold that space of, I see you where you're at and I see you were you for where you're heading. I see the parts of you that want to stay stuck and, and are stuck. And then I see you, like see the parts of you that really want to grow and develop and make progress. And I believe in that, your ability to, pro- to, to make progress, right? When someone sees the good in you and believes in you, how does that feel? I mean, think about how that feels when, and you think about the people in your life that you feel the most connected to. I have to say, in my life personally, my mom and my husband are the two people that I feel the most connected to. And those are the two people that have unconditional positive regard for me and believe in me. And even and they've seen my struggles and they have seen my failings and they still believe in me and they still know I have a good heart and they know I'm going to do good things in the world. And they love me no matter what. To have those people in your life that's the ones that you feel the most connected to. And that's what we could be offering to our children, our teens, and our young adults. And so I want you to know that I see you. You know, obviously not literally. You're not in front of me. I'm talking into a mic. So I may not know you personally, although I do know some of you very personally that are listening. But I want you to know that I see you. I see you, Mama. I see you, Dad. I see you, Mentor. And I know the struggles, I know the worries, I know the frustrations, the hurts, the disappointments. I know that if you're taking the time to listen here, I know that you must really care and that you're doing your best and you want to grow and you want to develop and you want to do better. And I can connect to you right now without you being here in front of me. And you can connect to me by listening to this recording by listening to my recorded voice and we can connect to our neurodivergent children our teens and our young adults whether they reciprocate that or not whether they're good at reciprocating it or not we can connect to them and when I connect to who you are listening and what you may be struggling with right now I show up ready to support and give you what you need isn't that cool how that works If you need more support, if you're tired of figuring it out all on your own, I want to help you. That's why I keep showing up here. So make sure you get on my email list and you go to our website and you find out how to work with me so that we can take things a lot deeper. We can take this connection and actually collaborate. I'm so glad you're my listener. We have the best audience. 
and I appreciate you connecting with me here. And, and I appreciate the emails and the kind reviews of our podcast. I love hearing that this, this is making a difference for you, that you're getting things here that you aren't getting anywhere else, and that this is helping you. I love hearing that. And it tells me so much about you that you would even take the time to, to send an email and that you take the time to listen and that you're wanting to, to grow, to develop, to, to do this work. So thanks for being here. Thanks for connecting with me. And I encourage you to go connect with your loved ones. Have an amazing week. Take care. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Autism and Neurodiversity with Jason and Debbie. If you want to learn more about our work, come visit us at jasondebbie.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-D-E-B-B-I-E.com. dot